Welcome to the chase. The Chiefs is a white arc podcast aimed at specifically giving you an insight into what makes great leaders and entrepreneurs in a variety of organizations tick. We call them Chiefs. My name is James Chuffatelli, and together with my white arc co-chief, Joe Hands, we're going to attempt to take you on a journey and talk to as many chiefs across as many industries as we can to give you an insight into A, what makes them tick, and B, what makes their enterprises thrive, and more importantly, what they've learnt along the way. The Chiefs. Good afternoon and welcome everybody to another episode of The Chiefs, and I feel so privileged today. I've got the fabulous Alex Dunmow, the CEO of Ninja Software, with me. Welcome, Alex. Thanks, James. It's a a pleasure to be talking to you. It's such a pleasure. And I say that sincerely to be talking to you. And Alex leads an organization that these guys are premium software developers, company based out of Perth in Australia. I can't wait to hear the software as a service story and and basically how Alex and his business came about. It's an amazing entrepreneurial story and he's helping so many other businesses grow and scale now. But basically, Alex will talk a whole host more about his mission and how they're actually helping companies right around Australia and the world, in fact, win in new markets. And Alex, you know, I'm sure at some point in our conversation, we won't be able to go without talking about COVID because even of though it's COVID-19, yeah. we're going to talk <laughs> about COVID. But if COVID-19 taught us anything, it's that digital has played a massive role in really shaping companies' futures. And in fact, for mm. some organizations, it helped them just stay afloat in that initial shutdown period. But I'm really keen to hear from you tonight because you're really helping so many organizations. We hear a lot about the Zooms and the Microsoft Teams and the, yeah, the Google course. Hangouts and what have you. And they've sort of helped businesses stay afloat. But I'd really love to hear from you at some point tonight how you guys are helping shape that new digital strategy, if you like, for organizations to really sort of drive them into the future. And all of a sudden, COVID-19 goes from being a a pandemic, which has been terrible, but a massive opportunity from a SaaS perspective Mm. for so many organizations. But at some point in time, I'll ask you about COVID. I thought I'd get in in there early, but (laughs) welcome, Alex. Great to have you on. And I would love to hear a little bit about your story. So tell us. All right. So I've been in software development since basically I was 11 years old. Back in those days, I used to love computer games, obviously. And one of the computer games I used to play is a game called Quake. And I love playing it, but I wanted to make it my own. So I actually learned how to modify it. And to do that, I had to learn how to program, which when you learn how to program, it's not a fun, it's not a fun <laughs> task. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 11 years old, I pushed through and enjoyed the art of creating. And that's, that's what software and computer design is. Uh, it's, it's creation. And ever since then, I've, I actually studied to be a lawyer. I, I thought that computers and programming was just a, a passion. You know that old thing people say, if you do what you love as a job, it becomes a job. That's absolute crap. And I realized that two years into studying you know, business law, I realized, no, this is a job. <laughs> this I love is, it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I actually had a full-time job in software development at the time. So I thought, all right, let's just actually commit to this thing. And I've, I've been in tech ever since. Pretty much since I was 17, I've worked for a tech company, uh, anywhere from internet service providers to data centers to software development. So done it all. And then about five years ago, I was approached with a potential contract that was too big for me as a consultant. And so I had that moment where I'm like, what do I do? Do I, do I contract other consultants and, and do, or do I use this to actually springboard a, 
my own tech company and move away from the freelance consulting. And so uh, I joined my business partner, John Nguyen, and the rest is history. And Ninja was born. Ninja was born. Yeah. So we're five years old this year. Well, happy anniversary. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> can, can I tell you, I think I, I actually love that at 11, I was the kind of kid, Alex, that pulled things apart and I used to get beaten by dad because I never knew how to put them back together. <laughs> right? And, and what I love is that you not only, you didn't pull a thing apart, I'd pull the radio apart, try and put it back uh, together. And it would... I would do the same thing. I would put it back together, but there'd be a couple of screws still on the desk and I'd go, oh, well. Obviously not uh, that important. <laughs> <laughs> but I reckon you're being modest. I reckon you would have put it back together and you would have got Foxtel, you would go KO, you would have got all, all the other things. I put it back together, I couldn't even get a channel. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But I, I love it. You're playing Quake, you learn how to program off the back of a game that you've bought. So, you know, a young hacker is born. I call that a young entrepreneur. And kind of the, the rest of the story is magic. So tell us about Ninja. I mean, five years old is a long time in software development, right? So tell us about yeah. the early days versus now, because I mean, it was you and your, your business partner to begin with, but it's, you know, your, your business is amazing. I mean, essentially we hired people whenever we felt pain, which is <laughs> almost all the time. And, you know, we've grown pretty rapidly. So we've got a team just over 20 people now. Amazing. which is and most of that's off the back of consulting work building products for people we were really lucky in that our first client anchor client was a, a service provider for the mining industry what they did was that they actually a company called airscope they use drones and high definition photogrammetry to take full 3d models of mine sites you know oil and gas platforms and we built the software to take all that data and actually create the 3d models and then created a system so you could actually browse it on any device you know over the internet which was huge for them because at the time they were do this massive scan and then provide a hard drive to you know BHP or whoever and say, here's your whole mine site, but it's a two terabyte size model. So no one had a computer powerful enough to open it. So we created a platform they could actually provide that access to anyone over the internet. And that was a big project for us. So we got really lucky. And they'd actually been kind of mistreated by other software development companies before they came to us, which is a pretty common story. I hear more horror stories in software development than I hear success stories sadly. And they had the same thing. So we had to convince them that, you know, we're trustworthy, we deliver. We, uh, but off the back of that, we, we grew into software. And now we're just, we're kind of at the stage of our life, we're able to pair off a certain percentage of our resources to go to building our own products. And that's, and specifically joint ventures with other companies as well. So our favorite thing to do is take someone else's you know, beautiful IP and turn it into a scalable software product, you know, so they can make recurring income and and we can be along for the journey. I love it. So you actually model has really moved away. Whilst you do the consulting work, it's moved into mm. really, you've almost become a venture capital organization that you go and actually partner with with ideas or with uh, yeah. entrepreneurs to actually bring their visions to life. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I would see us as the analogy I have to make is we're kind of like architects and builders combined. I love it. And when you build a project with us, it is like a, a building an actual investment vehicle. And Alex, I love the humility of your opening example where you basically go and take these drones, well, for this organization, this mining company that you're working for arguably you actually help them find new markets and revenue streams mm. that they probably didn't even 
realise was possible in the beginning. It was probably a, a course of adventure together, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and it was really fun being on that adventure, you know, because we come up with really cool ideas on how the software could be used. And, and, and we would even get to be there in the demos when they're demoing it to the guys at Chevron and stuff. So that was, can, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I can I can imagine Alex there, the, the, the kid who used to play Quake, trying to break the drones. <laughs> nah, um, that, that, uh, and obviously you didn't because they scaled. So that's just me, be, yeah, that's me being super silly. Super expensive too. <laughs> now, what an amazing story. I also want to tap into something that you actually mentioned in your beginnings, which I think is so pertinent. We also see it ourselves in a totally different domain is you talk about so much of not your time, but your your focus now is on, on actually almost building trust again, because so many businesses, I like the way you described it, it was very eloquent, have been mistreated, if you like, and they've had a bad experience yeah. with software development. And not that we should focus on the bad experience, but I'd really love to know how you go about building that trust. Because I think it's so sure. true. I yeah. think there's so many big consulting firms that say they can do lots of things and it's, it's all oh, yeah. with good intent but then the problem is it actually means that we've got to pick up the pieces afterwards and it's, it's a government level corporation level uh, and then you know, even um like small investor level like people get burned all over the place there's millions if not billions of dollars a year wasted on failed software projects the analogy i always make is in software imagine if you went to your architect and you said i want you know go back to that analogy i want a you know five bedroom house three toilets and and a, a loft right and then instead of giving you back a diagram a design where you could actually look at it they hand you this very long document that describes it in text right? Which on the surface seems like, oh yeah, yeah, they, they get it, right? But there's so much lost in translation when it's ideas-based, when it's creative. And you could read that thing and go, oh, I think they get what I'm saying. And then they build this house that's nothing like what you wanted. Like and that's software development. Generally, most of these companies are at a massive software specification and it ticks all the boxes. But then when they create it, you look at it and you go, that's not it. <laughs> Yeah, and they yeah. go, well, it gets it lost in translation kind of along the yeah. way, right? Yeah. So one of the things we do is no matter the size or complexity of the engagement, we always do a full design. So it's, it's, that's the architecture side. So people can actually see it in action, even though it technically doesn't exist yet. They can sit there on a phone and go you know, press the buttons, watch the animations. They see a living piece of software and they can go, well, actually, this is what I meant. This is what I meant. Before an actual software developer, before a coder sits in front of a computer and, and writes code, the person already knows exactly what they're getting. I'd say that's our, our point of difference. That's massive. So what you're basically saying is you almost build, I don't know whether we call it a minimum viable product, but a prototype of sorts, a little bit like you did yeah. in, with that very first client. You build a prototype and then it probably evolved from that prototype, but there wasn't any surprises because you kind of iterated together. Is that fair? Yeah, exactly. The other side of software development is that most software development companies are agile. We're both. So we're agile in design and waterfall in development. Oh, music to my ears. I love waterfall. But anyway, for all the agile people out there, I'm okay with agile too. Yeah, well, when you're working with something where you can quickly change your mind and do different things, it works really well in design and creative works like that. You can move a button, you can change a page, you can do whatever you want really quickly. Designer can do it in a few hours. But engineering is entirely different. Once you've started building that bridge, you can't be like, actually, it should be seven lanes instead of five. <laughs> 
Great analogy. I love, and, and I actually love actually the way you actually talk about the symbiotic relationship between agile and waterfall, because I think we live in an age where it's either one or the other, but it doesn't need to be. Yeah. What you're basically saying is go wide early, ideate, be agile, yeah. be creative. But when it's time to build, you're really sure, or sorry, in partnership with your clients, you make sure that you're both really sure on the work that needs to be done to build what it is you said you'd build. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 100%. I love that. You actually bring the two together. What advice would you give Alex? I've got an idea and, you know, I'm trying to scale this idea. What advice would you give to someone who's sort of, you know, thinking creatively? Would mm. your advice be to partner early? Would, would your advice be to sort of make um, sure you're clear on ABC? Yeah, get clear first. One of the things I like to tell people is try and do wireframes. So you actually just, you know, just on a whiteboard or a legal pad, you just draw boxes and you go, this is this page and you know this is this or if it's an app it's like you know this is the settings area and this is the action where you do this and you map it out you know, it doesn't have to be pretty or really thorough it just has to kind of make sense it's the value stream of the idea yeah. yeah and then even before i would get to that stage though i would encourage them to actually talk to people who would be potential customers of this product and ask them if they want it and if they would pay for it. <laughs> that's always, to me, that's number one. You always test your market. I love that coming in particular for someone of your skill and competence and prowess. Alec. Quite often here, let's just build and then we'll worry about yeah. the, the go to market <laughs> and we'll worry about the market research later. But I love that you're there saying, hey, before we actually go down the market of investing, let's make sure it's going to be something that mm. can be commercial, right? Well, I think we've had a lot of people come through our doors with really cool ideas, you know, really cool tech. But ultimately, no one would pay for it. It's one of those things. And a lot of people confused about how the internet works because big companies like Google and a lot of the so-called startup unicorns, they offer a free product. And they think, well, we'll just offer it free and it'll be successful somehow. But most of them are successful either through selling data like Google or it's just the actual valuation of the stock. So there's a lot of startups that have you know, multi-billion dollar companies now still don't turn a profit. But because they're highly valued, they are seen as successful companies. That's not the norm. It's so, a common practice, yeah. Yeah, you should be focusing on how can we actually generate revenue and you know, how can this actually provide a return on investment without someone else's money, basically. Do you have a, like, I mean, and it's probably, there's no rule of thumb as such, but, you know, I know some private equity firms that we've worked with and what have you sort of have a rule that it's 24 months or it's three yeah. years for that return on investment. Is there a common rule or it's different horses for different scales and different courses? Um, yeah, it's obviously different, but I three years is is pretty conservative. Yeah. I mean, you might have a really great idea and, and you you may have a very like business to business based idea that you can go straight to your clients and sell it to them and, and it's like a value add to your existing business. And in that case, you'll you'll see a return really quick. If you're looking at a new market that you don't already have access to, then it's more that cost of acquisition, you know, finding people or having them find you. That's a that's a long, slow process especially if you don't have you know, millions of dollars budget. I just love the humility. I mean, from, from the moment we met, I actually just love the way that you clearly your values are so driven on people and the clients you serve in a real sense. I actually love that you're actually talking about commercial success and what have you before you're even thinking about yourself. So hats well, off to you. It's one of the key things we don't, because people come in, as I said, excited about their ideas and I never crush someone's idea, but I will say <laughs> it can be a hard path. And ultimately, if we go down that road, I don't want them coming back to me and going, well, you promised me success. That's not reality, right? Yeah. But if you go into it with a realistic expectation, then you'll come out 
yeah, with a positive experience. I think that's profound, really massive insight. I'm curious. So Alex, clearly successful, humble, so humble, right? I, and I will say that to all of our listeners. How is running, you've gone from two, yourself and your partner to begin with now, 20 plus contractors and what have you and scaling, scaling, scaling. How is running this amazing business different to what you thought it was going to be five years ago? Or is it? You know what? I, I went in with zero expectations. I never doubted. And I've always been too busy, too busy working. <laughs> to worry about it. <laughs> to worry about it. Yeah. Me and my business partner have only just in the last year been able to move the last year or two, move into a more strategic role. But yeah, I, <laughs> it's actually fantastic because I've been able to build a business that I would have wanted to work in. You know, that's always been my number one goal and the guys and girls that work for us are amazing i think everyone actually loves working for ninja software so and i would have if i was a dev and i can tell everybody who's listening to this podcast that you know when i met alex it was through a shared connection someone actually works for alex uh, will give lan a plug and i was like a half an hour later getting lan off the phone telling me how wonderful alex was (laughs) and alex and alex and alex and i'm like can, can i tell you you talk about employee engagement. I think I've told this story now over the last four or five weeks to anyone who, who wants to talk to me about employee engagement. In fact, I was telling it recently to a group within West Farmers and it's your story because I think there's a measure of success when you've got your staff who can advocate not only for you, but for the organization as though it was their own. To me, that's yeah. the holy grail. So that's a credit to you, Alex. I'm curious, uh, as such a successful entrepreneur, who inspires you? Where do you get your inspiration oh. from? That's a tough one. I've got quite a few biographies on my shelf, but I wouldn't say any of them. Maybe, you know, like the Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, right? But they're, they're both, excuse my language, but they're both kind of wankers. Um, <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah. Elon Musk, amazing the, the things he's doing, right? But I uh, wish he would stay off Twitter. And Steve Jobs was famously a pretty horrible boss <laughs> <laughs> and there's something to be but, learned on both fronts right yeah absolutely that's it's a really difficult one i i would say that i i don't have any heroes in the entrepreneurial sense although a, a good book i just read recently was shoe dog oh, yeah. by the founder of nike and his story resonates with me just that humble. You know, well yeah humble but also just to like just Tenacious. you know it's like, yeah, and living on the float and he's just making it happen. And I'm like, to me, that's what being an entrepreneur is. It's never having doubt that you're going to make it and being able to sleep, even though all the evidence points to the contrary. Yeah, if you can't handle that stress, it's not for you. <laughs> and I reckon that's one of the questions I'm going to ask you is about how do you actually handle doubt, right? And I actually think you've basically said it's cut into who you are, right? You've learned to accept yeah, it. I just, I don't have, actually, that's not true. Like, I would have doubt, but I have... faith that I will be able to handle whatever happens. And that's, I I know very little, but I know that I'll be able to handle it when I'm in the situation. I love that humility coming through again. I know very little. And here's a guy that, uh, guys, whoever's listening to this, and I can tell you, this guy knows so much, but he's talking about his people, his staff being his greatest asset. And I can tell you, they advocate for him. He knows very little. I I think there's some learnings just in that humility that, that again, I want to call out. As you grow your business, Alex, and it's continuing to grow, how do you go about building that team? And I mean, how have you built the team? It's, It's actually quite interesting. Way back in the early days when we had to recruit. First, I recruited people I know, obviously. Yep. That's generally the best way at the start. And then the next time we needed to recruit someone, we put the Seek ad out there and we interviewed so many people. And that was a horrible experience, if I'm going to be <laughs> honest, and time consuming. And I thought, well, I don't want to go to recruitment agents because I 
I don't trust that they'll be able to do this job any better than I can. So what we actually did for the development team is we designed a, a test, an actual coding test. So in this test, there's a building and a graphical representation of a building and an elevator and there's people coming and pressing the elevator buttons on each floor. But the elevator is brainless. So it just sits there. And so the dev would come into our office, they'd go into a room, they'd sit in that room for an hour and they'd code some brains for the elevator. And, and what we did is instead of going through people's resumes and looking for experience and education and all the normal stuff, we just said, if you have a portfolio, if you can demonstrate that you can write code, send us that and then you can come to the test and they get to schedule their test. We send them like information on what they should look out for. And then they come in, they do the test, they leave. And then we interview the ones who did well in that. We, <laughs> 1%. So 1% of all applicants made it to the next round. One. Um, <laughs> 1%. Wow. I was yeah. going to say, I would love to be a fly on the wall and see where this elevator, some of the, the ideas <laughs> where people took you. Well, one hour is not much. It's not enough to really do anything complex, okay. but you can see how someone's brain works. And yeah. yeah. And you can see, it tells you a lot about them. And we pretty much hired everyone who got through that test. I love and it. We, so we you, still... you test their critical thinking, right? Yeah, exactly. And Amazing. we've definitely hired people who, if we just looked at their resume, we'd have thrown it in the bin because, you know, they weren't good at resume writing or they were, you know, they're self-taught. They didn't have, you know, long work experience or, or a master's in software it. development, you know, and all our devs are amazing. And it's because of this because of this this test you know what i was going to call this podcast alex from silicon valley in perth but i'm actually going to call it <laughs> alex the people leader it's just a, i actually love that you kind of don't care about the words and the cv what you care more for is hey here's a problem yeah. it's a little bit going back to your 11 year old self right like i mean that's what you're looking for you're looking for just the way they think i think it's a kudos yeah. to you I'm, I'm going to get on the blower to seek and all the strategy directors there who I know and suggest that you actually go and consult into them well, how to recruit. That's the other thing we did. Uh, we're recruiting a, a sales junior and uh, we put an advert on seek and it said, your job is to research us, figure out who in the company you should send your application to <laughs> and figure out how to sell yourself to them. And we said in the, in the job advert on seek, we said, if you apply through seek, your application will be discarded. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. High five. Yeah. And then they had to get through the uh, a couple of stone walls. I already know them. Jeez, I'll tell you what, what yeah. a ripper. What a ripper. Did you find someone? Yeah, well, we actually found a couple of people. We ended up actually hiring internally for that. Good so on you. One of our, our devs, he had the Perfect. desire to move into that role. So it was actually. I love it. I might steal that one if it's all right, Alex. I think that's yeah, yeah, absolute beauty. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Kudos to you. Look, I promised everyone so that you're aware that I said to Alex, this will take 20 to 25 minutes and we've been going half an hour. So I apologize, but this is the God no, no, forever. <laughs> I've got a couple of questions for you. Then I'm going to hug you and thank you. For, my second last question to you is, if you had to give it some advice to young Alex, you know, now looking backwards, what advice would you give yourself? That's funny. I actually just wrote an article well, I actually did a talk at St. Mary's Anglican School here in Perth on the, essentially I was asked to talk to a group of year 10 girls and thought to myself, what am I going to tell them? I don't want to give them some boring potted history of my career. So I came up with a, the 10 things I would tell teenage Alex. 
if I could. So that's actually on my LinkedIn and on our website. And there's well, some well, interesting well, ones in there. Like, tell, uh, tell us the big hitters for you. I love it. Yeah. So actually, the big ones to me are probably a little bit unusual. Uh, like one of them is meditation is not about emptying your mind. I always thought that up until I was in my 30s, I thought to meditate you had to, you know, empty the your mind and and not think anything. Of course, that's nonsense. It's actually about observing your thoughts as they appear and and letting them go and kind of introspection. Uh, another one was stop going to clubs <laughs> in your 20s because <laughs> I, I did not enjoy going clubbing, but I oh, spent a lot of years trying to make myself enjoy it. Doof, um, doof, doof. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest one is perfect is the enemy of good and don't be perfect, be brave. That's, but if there's anything I could tell my past self, I, I, he wouldn't listen for a start. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, that's because that, that, that's because you or he was an entrepreneur, right? So <laughs> he had to he had to he had to unpack it first. That's right, and and I needed all my past failures to get to this point. But if I can't just give him the lotto numbers, then I'd probably just leave him, let him be. <laughs> I like no, I love it. So you know what? I'm I'm actually going to jump on LinkedIn, and when I actually push this out to our broad community. If with your permission, I'm going to list the 10 things you tell yeah, your young yeah. self because I think that's amazing. I, to have that retrospective view, a lot of people aren't in the moment enough to do that. It's a real credit to who you are. So, it's one a really fun one to write, actually. Nah, it's a great, <laughs> great one. And I actually love that you're giving back to the community. I think you said you went to St. Mary's. Was mm. it St. Mary's you spoke to? Tonight? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the girls there were, have this program where they actually build apps and, um, and then they have to pitch them. And my business partner, John, he was actually one of the judges. And I believe he was the Mark Cuban of their judges too. So. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> Asking fantastic. Asking all the hard questions. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we might have to get him on to uh, the, the next X Factor or uh, The Voice, <laughs> something like that. I love it. The next Mark Cuban. One last question I have for you, and I can't more appreciative for your time because it's not every day we get someone as brilliant as you on the chief. So thank you. One word that you would like to be fast forward your career and you're, you're sitting up somewhere probably in, in Broome, I don't know, with your, your feet up <laughs> watching a beautiful sunset. One word that you would like people to remember you and your amazing endeavors by. That's a good one. After I, I, I need to think on that one. I was going to get you to write a program, but you know what? I didn't think we'd have enough time to. <laughs> <laughs> a risk taker or relentless. I like relentless. Uh, rel uh, uh, well, let's go. Let's go with relentless. I, I, I love risk taker too. I think that goes without saying, but uh, relentless, you have to be to, to do the amazing work that you're doing. And uh, Alex, I just want to say to you uh, a huge thanks for, for sharing your story uh, with us. It's an amazing story. And I would encourage anybody uh, who actually wants to do any software as a service development uh, in Australia or in the world, in fact, you should be reaching out to Ninja. And mm. secondly, uh, I just want to say thank you to you and the world that uh, COVID has completely reshaped. Those who partner with you uh, are certainly uh, going to grow that's for sure so Alex thank you so much no, thank you for the opportunity James it was, it was a fun conversation no, you're a superstar uh, mate yeah cheers <laughs>